it's sort of like you have the Easter coming, so I have things I'm preparing for Easter, and, uh, and so, like, you know, what do you do? But, well, we're still in Ephesians, so I, I want you to go to Ephesians 4. We're going to sort of enter into a, a new section. We're still in chapter 4, but Paul is going to, um, in the section of, of Ephesians, he's going to get really, really practical, and so I thought, well, this is great. This is fantastic, and uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, I think the last time we were talking about, remember I had the, the clothing, taking off the old man, putting on the new, right? Uh, if you were here, you got to see a lot of, a lot of clothes. <laughs> if you weren't here, imagine you had clothes, you know? That was verses 17 to 24. Let me just start in 17 just to get a running start. Ephesians 4 verse 17 says, and hold on, did I pray already? I did pray, sort of, right? Let me ask the Lord for prayer again. Lord, I just ask for your help. I recognize, Lord, that without you, without your help, I can do nothing. I am dependent upon your Holy Spirit. As you told Jeremiah, I will put my words in your mouth. And so, Lord, I ask for the same thing, and I ask that you would be faithful in that, as your word declares that you are faithful and you are good. Would you bless our time in your word? In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 17 says, So this I say and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer as the Gentiles walk, or also walk in the futility of their mind. I should have brought my shades up here. Look at this. It's like sunscreen or something. In the futility of their mind. This is the section where Paul is getting very practical. He's going to repeat this idea of walking. Walking a certain way. Living a certain way. Living our life a certain way as Christians. Okay? And our life is supposed to be distinct from the world, okay? That doesn't mean just, it means the beliefs we hold, but it's also how we behave and how, how we treat people. This whole section that we're going to get into is very practical with relationships. What distinguishes a Christian from a non-Christian, hopefully, is the way we treat people. We love the Lord, and we shine, let the Lord shine through us. Um, it may, yeah, so let's go on. That... You walk no longer as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they have become callous, have given themselves to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. Christ, who is the object of our learning, we are learning a person. Like, listen, when you read the Scripture, the goal of studying the Scripture is to lead you to a person, to Christ. It's not to, to prove an argument, to prove facts. It's to lead you to Christ himself. Jesus says, it is spoken to me, right, in the, in the Word. When he's walking with the two men on the road to Emmaus, they had the time of their life as he opened up the Scripture to them, and their hearts were burning within them as he expounded, and he was sharing where he was in the scripture. When you're reading the Bible, you really want to ask the question, okay, Lord, show me yourself in the scripture. Reveal yourself to me. Reveal who you are. That's really the point of, of, the, of the scripture. The scripture is, is to be a, kind of points you in that direction to, to closer walk with Christ. So Christ is our subject, so to speak. We did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you had You've heard him and have been taught in him just as truth is in Jesus. Now, truth is going to be a main theme that we're going to talk about tonight. Truth. 
I should have started with the verse, but that's okay. Verse 22, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self. Now, here's what Paul is saying. When you became a Christian, something happened. When you became a Christian, something happened. You, you put off the old self. And the way the Greek tenses are here in Ephesians, and if you compare it to uh, Colossians, they're one has it as a, this happened. Okay, You put off the old self. You were changed in how you thought, and you put on the new self. Okay, We are new creatures in Christ. We don't put on the new self in order to become new. We are new. And because we are new, we live a different way. Does that make sense? You look at every other religion in the world, and every other religion in the world, they're doing things in order to become. We have become something new. And now we live something new as a result. That's going to be a major theme in Paul's, uh, Paul's writing tonight uh, and the rest of the Ephesians, actually. And put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Now, from verse 25 to basically, well, let's say the end of the chapter, he's now going to get very practical. What does this look like in life? And one thing that I saw in this next section is that this has to do with relationships. So let's read the section. I'm going to really camp out in one verse tonight. It's just how I roll, one verse at a time. <laughs> Some people take whole chapters at a time. I just, I'm sorry, I just, I just have to go, you know, and just dig deep. Anyway, verse 25, Therefore, laying aside falsehood, Speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. There it is, right there. In fact, this is the foundational verse of the section. In fact, if I were to ask you a question, friends, in a relationship, what's the most important thing? What are the most important, what are some important things to have in a relationship? What's that? Honesty? Communication? Understanding? Kindness. I like, how you, I like how she said that. <laughs> Kindness. <laughs> Communica- good listener. Yeah, you've got to have communication, good listening skills. Yeah. Now, I think you said this being a good listener. Am I correct? Yes. yes, okay. Good listener. What else? Anything else? Fellowship. Fellowship. Yeah, like friendship, having things in common, things you do in common. So any good relationship requires th- certain things. <clears throat> in a way, Paul is sort of developing this idea that as Christians, we, our relationships with people are, have changed. And the foundational, the foundational element, to me the most important thing in a relationship, is trust. Especially with a marriage. Marriage, 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 you know, all the married people, right? Trust. If you can't trust your spouse, if you can't trust the person you're in a relationship with, you have no relationship, or it's very shaky. That is, it's foundational. Uh, verse 26, we're going to go through these verses, and I'm going to come back to verse 25. Verse 26, be angry and do not sin, yet do not sin, and do not let the sun go down on your anger. That has to do with, well, anger management, and how we, righteous anger versus unrighteous anger. There is such a thing as righteous anger. It's okay to be angry. The right things in the right way for the right span of time, and then you have to do something with that. 
Anger that is not managed can seep into bitterness and resentment and all kinds of nonsense, right? You got to almost like when you have, uh, you have, uh, we have, a, you know, there's the vine in our front of our house. You know, if you don't, you got to chop, well, our guy hasn't chopped it down in quite a while, but you have to, you got to sort of prune that thing, right? Or our rose bristles, you got to prune that. That's how anger has to be. It's got to be pruned. Otherwise, they'll just wreak havoc. Um, we'll talk about that in the following weeks as well. And do not give the devil an opportunity. Here's the reason why. This gives a do- the devil a foothold or a place in your life. We'll talk about that in a few weeks. And he who steals must steal no longer, but must, he must rather labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with the one who has a need. Okay? So end up being, you ever been in a relationship with somebody, a friendship, and you're the one who's always giving? You ever kind of have that kind of friendship? Where like you're the one you're, you're always going to their house you're going you're you're like doing all the work and it's like and they do nothing right except they eat your food and take up your space and things like that you know so that and, and the Christian we are we are to be ones who are the ones who are contributing the most to relation we want to be a contributor not a, a taker of relationship we want, to, we want to be the one that's a blessing to somebody else right where they say oh Sharon's here oh man I'm so blessed. She, I, she, she contributes to our friendship. She cares, you know. There are some people who just, they just, they don't, you know. We don't want, we want to be known as people who, who are like that, you know, who are contributing. Does that make sense? And let no unwholesome, f- I almost said unwholesome food, but it, the word food is not in there. So. No, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word that is good for edification, according uh, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. In other words, we want to be people who are edifying in our words. Our words have power. And we, are, we want our words to be words that build up, people up, to, to, to build them up. And we'll talk about that more deeply in a few weeks as well. Verse 30, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Actually, in this context, that verse has to do with how we talk with people. It grieves the Holy Spirit when we cut people down. It grieves God when we cut people down. We tear people down, or if we are negative about somebody, it grieves the Holy Spirit. Do you know what? Jesus comes on the scene. He's teaching in the synagogue, and it says the, the people were made amazed at his gracious words. His gracious words that were falling from his lips. Why? I think he was doing the opposite of what the Pharisees were doing when they would lay heavy burdens on people and give them demands and say, you're not good enough, you're not good enough. He was encouraging them. Does that make sense? We want, that's what we want our, our words to be like that. And let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God and Christ has forgiven you. Now, I want you to go back to verse 25, because that's where we're going to really camp out. Verse 25, he says, therefore, therefore, um, referring, since you have, you have laid aside the old self, you have a new self in Christ that has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth, therefore, lay aside falsehood. You're no longer to be associated with falsehood, with lies. The word there is pseudos. We get our word pseudo, right? It's word pseudos here. Each one is to speak truth to each of your neighbor. Now, here's a question. What exactly is lying? What is lying? 
Because he's saying, don't lie. Speak truth. But don't stop lying. Speak the truth. What's lying? <clears throat> well, <clears throat> is... Listen, if you ask me, if you ask me, hey, John, how's your day going? And in reality, I'm really having a really, really bad day. But in order not to bring you down, I say, hey, you know, it's going good. Now, I just lied to you, but I sort of kept information back to you. you know. I sort of, maybe a little white. I, 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 did, I wanted to be honest, but I didn't feel like going into it, right? Because you could say that's a lie, right? Or maybe I just didn't, I said, you know, it's, it's going good. It's going good. But I don't want to tell you everything because maybe I just met you and I don't want to dump everything on you. And maybe you just don't, maybe, maybe my wife. I don't want to dump everything on her. That's a lie. That's a lie. Okay. My, wife's the, my, my wife and son are the truth barometers there. Here's a lie. A lie is this. <clears throat> It is affirming, and this is from Dr. Wing Grudem in his article on why you should never lie. He says, lying is affirming in speech or writing something you believe to be false. It is affirming in speech or writing something you believe to be false. Okay? In speech or writing, something you believe to be false. So, it does not include silence. For example, they asked Jesus, Aren't you, Pilate says, aren't you going to say something? Jesus is silent. He doesn't lie. He does not, um, he's not speaking something. He's quiet. There's times when it's okay to be quiet, and you're not lying. Guy comes to your house, he says, give me your social security number, your mother's my name. You're like, right? Zip my lip, I'm not going to tell you. That's not lying. That's none of your business, I would say, actually, you know. Um, he also says that lying does not include things like nonverbal actions. For example, how many of you guys left the house tonight and left your light on in your house? Okay. To give the impression that somebody's home or just to, just to show, hey, you know, you left the light on your house. You weren't lying. Because it's nobody's business if you're home or not home, right? You're just leaving a light on. Lying does not include things that you would say in humor, like ironic statements, things that, that are obviously understood in the context of humor or, or, or irony. There's a, a website that's real famous for irony, and of course people, you know, take it literally. Things like hyperbole, things that are exaggerated. Oh my goodness, it took me all night to read this book. And maybe it only took you two hours or three hours, but all night you're exaggerating. You're not really lying. You're within the context of language. You're giving hyperbole. It's not meant to be literal. Sometimes you could just be wrong. Um, how how many miles is from here to my house? I don't know, t- ten miles. It's actually twelve point two miles. You know, you you lied to me. No, I didn't tend to tell you there. I was wrong. My intention was not to um, deceive you. I was incorrect. So lying is something that you affirm in speech or writing that you believe to be false, that you know is false. Now, <clears throat> you ever find it, okay, except for my son, Joshua, who's a very truthful kid, um, um, sometimes you're given situations where you have a hard time telling the truth, right? Have you guys ever 
Let's be honest. Don't lie. Come on. All of us. All of us had, listen, we exaggerate things all the time, right? We tell a story. You ever tell a story, and every time we tell it again, it gets better and better? Right? Oh, man, when I was a kid, it's an old... You know, when I was a kid, the snow, I remember 1977, we had a big blizzard in Buffalo. By the way, that was like still a record. And, and as a kid, it looked like 20 feet of snow. Maybe it was only 8 feet. But from a kid, and then as you grow up, oh, it's, it's now 30 feet. Now it's 50. No, it's, it, it exaggerates. But you tell it because you want to have an effect. So why do we lie? There's ten reasons that I, I uh, several reasons, but just maybe ten reasons why we lie. First reason is, is we're to protect our pride. Maybe we lie because, well, we're too proud to admit the truth, you know? Have you guys ever done that, where you're just too proud to admit, <clears throat> um, for example, Tom, I know you made that cake or the pie, Whatever it is. But let's just say for a hypothetical situation that you were running late and you didn't. You had to go to Costco. Marie Callender's. <laughs> but since you know, you know that you're a fantastic chef and you can blow Marie Callender's and Costco out of the water, but you were running late, you grabbed one of the play, uh, pies out of Marie Callender's and you brought it in like, okay, I made, hey, because I don't want to admit, I'm a, I'm a pastry chef, you're saying. I don't want to admit, come on, I, I didn't have time to, because your pride, you didn't really make the cake, but you didn't want to admit that this time I couldn't make the cake. Or maybe we lie because we did something wrong. That's the, that's the ultimate reason, right? Adam and Eve, they sinned in Genesis 3. By the way, they lied because they believed the lie. Where were you at? Oh, they're, you know, they're hiding. God says, did you eat the woman, the, the serpent? The, you know, they lie. They hide because they're embarrassed. Um, sometimes we lie because we don't get punished. Did you take the candy out of the cookie, or the cook, or cookie, out of the cookie jar? Is your, no. Because you know I told you not to take the cookie because if you did, you know, blah, 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 right? Nope. No. Come on, Right? We're all, we're all thinking in those examples, you know. <laughs> Honey, did you call so-and-so back like I asked you to? Did you call... So- Hold on, I'm on the phone right now, honey. I'm on the phone right now. What did you say now? Did you call so-and-so... I just lied, right? Listen, I'm going to pray for you. I promise I'll pray for you. We walk out the door and what happens? We forget to pray. Did you pray for me last week? Oh, I most certainly do. Lord, please help this person right now as I'm, as I'm talking, right? We, those are, we, we, we laugh at that because we all relate to it. <clears throat> we don't want to admit the failure or we, we sort of don't, we, we want to be, we, we want to say, Sharon says, honey, do you like this outfit? <laughs> the truth is always to say, yes, it's fantastic. You know, I might think, yeah, that color's not good on you, or, you know, but because I want to not sleep on the couch, not that I sleep on the couch, I'm just saying, on honesty, she loves honesty, 
That, I, first thing I said when she came in tonight, I said, that looks really nice. And I was being genuinely honest. Now, but there's times when she might say, do you like this dress? And I might think, it's not your best. But to sort of save face, I might say, you look beautiful in it. Right? Because I don't want to get in trouble relationally. Right? Or, or I lie because I don't want to, uh, I don't want to you know, hurt somebody's feelings or I don't want to be embarrassed, you know. So we lie. We, we lie all the time. It's just so, sometimes, and, and I'm sorry, but maybe there's a few exceptions, but um, obviously we're not to be that way. It's funny as we think about it because sometimes it's, it sort of sneaks in. You're like, and then you start believing it like it's true. And you start saying it as if, you, as if, it's, as if it's true. It doesn't glare at us like it should, right? Sometimes we lie about, like, you know, what do we lie about ourselves? Well, you know, when I was in high school, I could bench press such and such and run such and such, and I got, you know, we start da-da-da, you know? Um, I mean, you know, because, you know, back in the day when I did this, I'd, we start exaggerating. We, we don't want people to think good of ourselves, so we lie about that. Sometimes, though, we lie about others, and it's called gossip. We might... Uh, we may, we may say, hey, did you, hear, did you hear about so-and-so? They're having a hard time relationship. And we sort of want to present that as if that's, like we're the, we're the news anchor that's bringing this news of concern when really we're gossiping. Some, and church is called prayer requests a lot of times. I don't know, am I stepping on people's toes now? But Sometimes we do that with... Um, and not anybody here, I'm just saying in general, where we murmur or slander, we talk about somebody, I can't believe this, you know, we start doing all that stuff, you know. We're lying about what we're doing is we're misrepresenting somebody else and, and not being honest about them. So in Paul, he says, lay aside falsehood. It's interesting, the Bible has a lot to say about truth-telling and lying. It has a whole lot to say. It condemns it. It's interesting that of the list that we just talked about here and everything on this list from verses 25 to 32 are relational aspects. Each one has to do with the betterment of somebody we're related to. Speak truth because they're your neighbor and they're a part of you. They're part of the body of Christ, as he says in verse 25. Be angry, but don't let the anger simmer to bitterness because that would not be good because the devil will have a foothold and then there could be division and World War III within that relationship. Don't steal any longer because that's not good for the relationship. You're taking rather than giving. Do something that benefits the other person. Every single thing he's doing here, speak kind words, speak edifying words for the betterment of the other person. It's interesting that Paul starts with truth. Stop lying and tell the truth. Scripture condemns uh, lying in many, many examples. For example, you have in the Ten Commandments, I think it's the Ninth Commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Why? Because the purpose of the commandments is not, hey, don't do, not necessarily just don't do this, but do something to benefit your neighbor. Don't lie, but tell the truth. Don't take away from them, but give to them. Don't be a detriment to them, but be a benefit to them. 
Proverbs 12.19 says that truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. In Proverbs 12.22, he says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. It's interesting, in the Old Testament, in in the prophets, I want you to go to uh, Isaiah 59 and then Jeremiah 9. So Isaiah 59. In the prophets, in the Old Testament, it's funny because you could read a lot of the prophets and think you're watching the news today. Because there came a time when Israel and Judah got so bad that everyone was corrupt from the, the king to the, even the pro, some of the other prophets to um, leaders to business people. They were just really, really, really bad news. In Isaiah 59... Well, let's start in verse 2. It says, but, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your, your lips have spoken falsehood, and your tongue mutters wickedness. No one sues righteously, and no one pleads, pleads honestly. They trust in confusion and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity, and they go on from there. At this time period, of course, this is going. This is no different than watching the news. Nowadays, you can watch the news and call it what? Fake news, right? Why is it called fake news? Because you can't trust anything you watch on the news anymore, right? Who do you trust? You watch, you watch one channel, it's one thing. You watch another channel, it's another thing. You, watch, you read this thing on this website, it's one, and, and you don't know who to believe. Israel had the same problem. You read, I'm telling you, you read the prophets, and you're like, I am, I'm watching the news right now. It got so corrupt, truth exited their lives. And what happened, the result was their, their very nation crumbled. Their very nation got weakened. I'll just, you know... In Jeremiah 9, I want you to go to Jeremiah 9. Go to your right, just a book. Jeremiah 9, just a couple of verses. Jeremiah 9, same idea, verse 3. They bend their tongue like their bow, and lies and not truth prevail in the land. For they proceed from evil to evil, and they do not know me, declares the Lord. Skip on down to verse 5. Everyone deceives his neighbor and does not speak to truth. They have taught their tongue to speak lies. They weary themselves committing iniquity. And he goes on from there. This actually was, was one of the reasons why Israel was taken and Judah later on was taken, because integrity and truth had, had exited the nation. And when our lives aren't founded on truth, then things crumble. In fact, God was so serious about truth-telling. Go to Acts 5. You guys know this story, but Acts chapter 5, this is how serious he was about telling the truth, about people in this church telling the truth. In Acts chapter 5, there's a couple named Ananias and Sapphira, and Ananias and Sapphira had some land. And in Acts chapter 5, it says that Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of the property and kept 
back some of the price for themselves. Here was going on. They sold the land and they kind of advertised to everybody that, hey, we're giving all the proceeds to the church. And the reality is they sold it and they kept back some of it for themselves. Now, they could have they said, hey, we're going to sell this land and we're going to give X amount of dollars or X percentage. They didn't have to give it all, but they sort of paraded themselves and said, hey, we're going to join the rest of you and give everything we have, right? And of course, they kept back some of the price for themselves and um, Ananias comes in and <clears throat> brings it to the apostle and Peter says, hey, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? Now, you don't want that happening, right? When you, when you lie and the Lord says, <laughs> you know, I know what you did. Now this is scary of what happened here. This is serious. Peter said, hey, you, you, you've, you've, while it remained in your hands, unsold, verse 4, did not remain your own, and after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. And of course, he falls down, dies. And his wife comes in later on, doesn't realize his hus- her husband's dead, and she says, yeah, we sold it for such a price, and Peter says, no, you're lying. Now, now, this is not a normal thing, right? But this got their attention. Verse 11, great fear came over the church because of this. This is how serious God was that, that his people would be founded on truth. These things, don't, I hope to God these things don't, <laughs> we would be flying like flies, wouldn't we? We would be falling like flies, not flying like flies. Dropping like flies. I don't know what flies do anymore. <laughs> you know. <clears throat> we say, well, J- John, I know this is a couple examples in the scripture where people lied and they got away with it. There's, there's a lot of examples of people not being truthful. You have, for example, in the book of Exodus. <clears throat> Look at Exodus chapter 1. I'm just gonna, we're just going to do a little Bible study tonight. How does that sound? Sounds good to me. Exodus chapter 1, guess what happens? Verse 16, wait, verse 15. Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was Shifra and the other was Puah. And he said, when you are helping the Hebrew women give birth and see them on the birthing stool, if it is a son, then you shall put him to death. But if it's a daughter, then she shall live. But the, verse 17, but the midwives, what? They feared God. So the king said, the king said listen, if it's, it, when you're helping these Hebrew women, these Hebrew women are having children left and right. And they're going to overtake us if we don't take care of something here. Now, if it's a boy... Destroy, you know, kill the boy. If it's a girl, let him live. But these Egyptian nurses, midwives, they feared God. And they didn't do as the king commanded, but that let the boys live. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives, and they said, why have you done this thing? And let the boys live. The midwives said to the Pharaoh, hey, because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife can get to them. Because they don't need the epidural in 20 hours of labor. <laughs> they just pop them out, right? And they're too fast. They're lying, right? They're protecting this little, these little boys, right? 
So, verse 20, so God was good to the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very mighty. Because the midwives feared God, he established households for them. And, of course, one of the childs that was born was Moses. Now, we can go into a lot, long time about whether this was right or wrong. The Bible doesn't actually condemn their lying. Doesn't, it just reports it. In this case, it was, they ignored his command, and they said, no, we fear God, because God would never tell us to do this. So you have some examples. Like You have another example in the book of Joshua. Rahab hides the two spies. Did you, spy, did you see any spies around here? Yeah, they went that way. Meanwhile, they're in the back. You know, they're actually hiding out right here. It's interesting that later on in the book of James and Hebrews, it talks about Ahab's faith, but it doesn't bring up her lie. So the scripture reports things, but doesn't always comment on it. Um, there's always the scenario of what happens if you're living in you know, Nazi Germany and you're protecting Jewish people. What do you do? That's, that's one of those ethical questions. You know, and some scholars are like, oh, you say nothing. And some you say, you lie. I would probably go on the side of not saying anything or trying to not answer directly in a way that would be still truthful to what I'm saying because people's lives are in danger. Those are hard questions. Those are real questions that we, we can uh, discuss, obviously not right, right now. <clears throat> but it's interesting, the scripture never says it's okay to lie. It never says it's okay to lie. It never says, hey, they good, they good because they lied. It just reports it. And it doesn't, it doesn't have a commentary on that. There's a lot of other examples. I would say, way on the side of not lying and of maybe avoiding answer the question. If somebody's life in danger, do the best you can to not give direct information to a person. Because you want to protect somebody. You, know, you want to be truthful, but sometimes the bad guy is not entitled to truth. Or he's not entitled to the whole thing. Your mother's main lane, the location of your, you know, the nu- nuclear codes, where are they at, you know? They're not entitled to that. So the Holy Spirit hopefully will lead you in that. Now there's three reasons, I want to finish with this, there's three reasons why we are not to lie. Okay, three reasons why we ought to not to lie, but to tell the truth. First reason is because we are in a relationship with God, and relationship requires responsibility. We are in a relationship with God, and relationship requires responsibility. You know what's interesting is the requirements for anything that God gives is always after a relationship has been established. There's always a relationship established. You are new creatures in Christ. You have you are a new person in Christ. Because that there's a new relationship you have with Christ, because of that, there are now requirements for that. There's an expression of that. Alma, you said I do to Jesse. You said, I love you, Jesse. Jesse, I love you too. I'm gonna spend the rest of my life with you. Me too. You know. Or how do you say in Spanish, you know, me too. And you ex- exchange rings, you know, and so now there's a relationship. Now what's the requirements? You walk out the church doors and you're faithful to him and he's faithful to you. And the requirements are because of the relationship. You have a ring on your finger, you have a promise, witnesses, kiss, everything else, right? Relationship first, requirements later. 
If you go to Exodus chapter 20, this is, this is interesting. Exodus 20. Exodus 20. Oh, wait, 20, yeah. Here I'm looking at chapter 2. Exodus 20. In verse 2, this is a chapter about the Ten Commandments. That's requirements. But before he mentions the Ten Commandments, he mentions what? Relationship. Watch this. Then God spoke in verse 1, all these things, saying, verse 2, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. That's relationship right there. I am because I am the Lord your God, and as Han Solo and Luke Skywalker said, we're here to rescue you, it's Princess Leia. I've rescued you. Because our relationship, I'm your God, therefore you shall have no other gods before you. The rest of the law and Ten Commandments. Relationship requires, leads into responsibility. He says the same thing in Leviticus 18, Leviticus 20 as well. So we ought not to lie because there's a relationship we've established with God, or God's established with. We are His. We belong to Him. If you're in Christ, you belong to Him. Therefore, we live because we belong. We live a certain way because we, 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 are, we belong to Him. There's a relationship that's been established. We don't live a certain way in order to get that relationship. We live because of that relationship. Second point. We ought not to lie but tell the truth because... We are to reflect the one who calls us. And to reflect the one who calls us is, of course, is God. Scripture, throughout Scripture, he talks about, the Scripture mentions how God is a truthful God. Because God is truthful, we are to be truthful. Titus 1-2 says, that In the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, I love it, he says he does not lie, he cannot lie. It is not in the nature of God to lie. Now, you can take that to the bank. I don't know about you, but, you know, when you enter an agreement, I, at the company I work with, we, we build woodworking stuff, right? And every time we get a contract, there's like 30 to 50 page contract that I have to read through. And it goes all the fine print, right? You agree to do this, and we agree to do this, and all the stipulations and everything else, right? There's this huge long contract. Guess what? In the Old Testament, that was called the Ten Commandments. It was called, actually, the book of Deuteronomy. It was a contract, right? And the reason why you had this contract is to say, here's the terms. You don't have to worry about God putting a loophole of him saying, well, I got you now. I can back out of this contract. He doesn't do that. God is truthful. Hebrews 6.18 talks about that it is impossible for God to lie. Psalm 12.6 says that the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace, refined seven times. Proverbs 30 says that every word of God is tested. He is a shield to those who take refuge. Look at Numbers 23. Since we're in the Old Testament still, look at Numbers 23. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers 23. Now, I did not touch the AC. It's a little warm in here. I'm, a, I'm afraid of touching the air conditioning because I guess we're not supposed to touch it anymore or something. So, yeah. um, Numbers 23. 
in verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has God has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and he will not make good? Here's the thing. Why is truth why are we belaboring this point? Because in any relationship, truth matters, and truth is the ground which trust can build on. Truth matters in any relationship, right? If I have if I have a relationship with Tom and I start lying to Tom, I don't know, I'll make up something, you know. And then you find out I've been lying to you. What do you do? Not be your friend. Well, well, I hope you forgive me, but <laughs> but you probably question everything I told you. Maybe I just lied about two things. You know, that's okay. That's, that's okay. You'll you'll let me fly, right? But in some ways, somebody, you find out somebody's been lying to you. You question the entire the entire thing. You're like, that's I don't I don't. Anything you said is, is true, right? And once you've broken trust, that is... You ever watch those housing shows where they buy old houses and flip them and fix them up? You know, what's the one thing they're always afraid of? Foundation. Like cracks in the foundation, right? Because they have to go through all sorts of expense and headache to fix the cracks in the foundation. Why? Because the foundation is what the whole house is resting on. If the foundation's wrong, if it's got a crack or a slope or anything, then, then you have cracks in your walls. You've got all kinds of problems, right? Proverbs 30 says, Every word of God proves true. He proves himself. So God is a truthful God. He is a trustworthy God as well. We are to reflect the one who goes. We are to be truthful people and trustworthy people. We are to be dependable people. God actually is a dependable God. You know, sometimes God takes a long time for, for, from our standpoint to answer our prayers, but his word is always true. You know, there's a reason why you, you, you're always praying, because you know he's been faithful in the past, and maybe the thing you're praying for, he's delaying, but for some reason, he's delaying for a reason, but you still believe his word. You're like, Lord, your word says this. You can say, God, this is what your word says. Here's the thing. Because it's written, now it's really, now it's, now he means business, right? It's not some figment of your imagination. It's written. You can point to chapter and verse and say, God, here's what it says. I'm going to, I'm going to rest. I'm going to I'm going to plant myself on this truth, you know, because I trust you, and you haven't been proven wrong. You know, that's the whole thing. In the Old Testament, it was all, when will God come through? Will God come through? Will he really keep his promise to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to all, through all the prophets? Will he? Yes. Time and time and time again, he keeps his promises. He's not like any of us. That's the thing that's sometimes it's difficult. We're like, but God is trustworthy. If you're truthful, you're trustworthy. Look at John 1, because Jesus Christ comes on the scene, and you know he's the Son of God. Because he has the character of God. He has the very nature of God. And look what it says in John chapter 1. 
verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and what? Truth. Christ was full of grace and truth. I love that because you can be gracious and truthful at the same time. Sometimes people are really truthful, but they're not really gracious, you know? You can be graciously truthful at the same time, and that's Christ. Jesus says in John 14, He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. See, that's what distinguishes our belief in Christ. It distinguishes Christianity from every religion. It's based on truth. That's why you can go to, you can go to the places mentioned in the Scripture and actually visit there. You can't do that with some other religions. Book of Mormon is one example. You can't go to, you can't go to any museum in Utah and visit some place that they have artifacts from things written in the Book of Mormon. You can't do that. You can go to Israel. You can go to Middle East, where Egypt, obviously, Israel especially, and see all kinds of truth that says this happened, this happened, this happened. It's foundational actual history, not made up. This is important because if God doesn't rely, if, he doesn't depend, if his word is just imagination, where, could we, where we trust him? But it's founded on truth. It works. It actually, this is actual history. This, this, it's truth, right? That's why we can stake it. Listen, have you guys ever rock climbed before? Okay, I never have. Let's imagine we're going rock climbing, okay? I'm a little heavy right now. I'm about 1920 20 or... <laughs> I'm being truthful. Okay, I'm, I'm a little heavy right now. If I went rock climbing, right... And let's say I'm climbing some big, huge, let's just pretend. I'm going with some guys who know what they're doing. And they have to, you have to you know, pound into the rock. I am hoping, Kim, I am hoping. I'm telling you, if I ever go rock climbing, I am hoping, first of all, they have a cable that's big enough for me. And those things they stick in the rock is strong enough to hold not only my weight, but whatever person is next to me or oh, my baggage or whatever, you know. And I'm going to ask a lot of questions. Now, how do we know that this, this doohickey thing in the rock looks awfully small? And how do we know this rock is actually solid enough to hold my, hold my weight? Because my life may depend on it, right? My life might very well depend on the strength of that rock and the bolt that goes in that rock and the cord that hangs, right? You see these crazy people who climb without the cords and they're crazy, whatever. But for me, I want to make sure my very eternal life depends on the truth of God's Word. Yours does too. So when I die and I see the Lord says, hey, you know, you want to come here? I say, yeah, I trusted you. I trusted what you, I believed what your Word says. My whole, I'm at your mercy, but I'm trusting. Make sense? That's why it's so foundational. And truth is like, and I meant to bring it. Um, there's a there's a there's a, a ice cream dish. Is that uh, Dairy Queen? It's called a cement concrete mixer. It's called a concrete mixer. Where's it, where's it at? At Culver's. We just gave advertisement. Culver's. Go to get It looks like a concrete mixer with your spoon and thick ice cream. You know. Imagine that truth is like that concrete being poured into life, you know. And if whatever you're building on that concrete, and if it's tasty ice cream, it's going to be gone. But whatever you're, pour, whatever you're building on, you want that concrete to be 
of the purest form and no cracks and no issues because you, you are, your life is resting on that, right? Your relationship, Pedro and Michelle, your relationship is based on truth and trust. Your marriage, there's a trust. There's, there's, there's an agreement. Kim and Jamie, same with you guys. That's important. I have a friend of mine. He's been married for a couple years now. He still can't trust his wife. I'm like, how do you sleep at night, brother? <laughs> he can't trust his wife. Since they were married, he can't trust his wife. I don't understand. He doesn't trust her with, with his social security number. He doesn't trust her with his cell phone stuff. Nothing. How is it? It's not good. I don't trust her. God bless you. (laughs) I can trust Sharon. She can trust me. We are to be truthful. Colossians 3 says, Do not lie to another since you laid aside the old self. Same idea as Ephesians. We are to put away this deceitful mouth and put devious speech away from us. We are to manifest the truth. We are to be truthful because Christ was truthful. We are to be trustworthy because Christ was trustworthy. The psalmist says that he who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. Third point, last point. I know know I'm going over time. That's okay. You guys are gracious and I'm appreciative of that. It's real short. Truth... We are to be truthful, not lie, is because it does reinforce relationships. If I said before, the truth lays the foundation that trust is built upon. Now here's the thing with relationships. It's not just truth and trust, it's also, there's also risk, right? Like when you first met your, your spouse, or when you're, you sort of trusted your heart to this person, right? You took a risk. You risk trusting somebody because maybe you're risking rejection. Jesse and Alma, I don't know, when you guys first met, maybe Alma tells her girlfriend, I really like this guy. I don't know if he likes me. You have a risk. You don't know if there's a, reject, there's a rejection potential there. So hopefully you're truthful to him. But when we laid a foundation of truth that trust is built upon, there's a benefit. And one of the benefits is that it creates stronger relationships. As you're more truthful with one another, there's intimacy that happens. And when you reveal your heart to somebody and they respond out of love and kindness, you're sort of kind of letting them see part of you, like with your spouse or good friends. There's, in, there's a closeness that happens, right? Your closest friends that you can tell things to them that you would tell nobody else in the world except for maybe your spouse. Let's say your best girlfriend, your best dude, you know, friend. You can share things with that person and feel safe. And there's a bond that happens, right? Because you know you'll be loved and accepted. So truth... 
allows us to grow relationally more intimate. So here's the thing. In our church, going forward, there may be people that God brings in here that are going to be skittish. They don't know Jesus yet. And they've been coming from the world, and all they hear from the world is lies. And we may appear different than we're, we're like, you guys are truthful here. We want to let them sort of adapt to that <laughs> and realize, oh, it's okay to be truthful, and we can be trusted. If somebody shares things with you. You want, to, you want to be confidential with that person. You want, to be, you, want to be, you want that person to feel safe, right? You want that, those people to feel, I feel safe here. Why is it that sometimes the, the biggest gossip happens at church? And the biggest confessional is at a bar. So and so tells the bartender all your problems. And the guy says, "I don't, I don't, I won't judge you." And they'd rather tell that, that priest call the bartender rather than come to the church because all they do is hear gossip. We don't want to be that. We want to love as Christ loved. Okay. We want to be as uh, somebody told me yesterday. We want to be exclusive in our doctrine. We want to make sure our doctrine is good, right? We're, te- we're studying the Bible. We're teaching truth. But we want to be inclusive in our relationships. But that means we want to know that God is going to bring, Lord willing, people from all manner of backgrounds who are just on different areas of their walk with Christ. Maybe just hearing about them. I heard about one guy who came to a church. He had never, ever stepped foot in a church before. He had no idea about anything about Christianity. I mean, Jesus, this guy, Jesus, he lived, yeah. He was born a bird. Born of a virgin? And, and he died, and now he rose again. Now he's come, and you guys are believing he's coming back. That's not, that's craziness, this guy said. He never heard of it before. We take it for granted. This guy had never heard any of it before. Yeah, that's right. What's what we believe? Okay. Oh, that's, that's a good, that's a trip, the guy said. Because, but because the pastor who was talking really just understood, hey, this guy really doesn't know. Hey, Come meet our Jesus. Come hear about our Jesus. Come sit with us and have a little bit of Jesus rub off on you or, you know, and there will be something that happens. It may not be from the guy, you know, you know most of the, the sermon is a sermon, but the relationship afterwards is, is really where it's at because that's where you get to go in your cars, you get to call, say, hey, can we talk? You know, these, I have questions about this Jesus and this Bible and do you you know, tell me about this. That's where it happens. Up here, this is one part of it. The rest of it is the ripple effect. You know? We want to be people who are truthful but gracious as well. Does that make sense? And trustworthy with every we, we come in contact. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that your word is truth. That your that you are a truthful God and you call us to lay aside falsehood and to speak truth through our neighbor because you call us, Lord, to, to speak words that are a benefit to our neighbor, a benefit to those who are in the body of Christ because of the fact that we are, in, we are connected with one another as a body. Father, I just pray, Lord, that would you, um, would you prepare us, Lord, um, and lead us by your Spirit. We ask that you would bring uh, around Easter time and in the weeks after, Lord, would you bring people, Lord, who are searching for you, God? Would you uh, bring the fish into the net, Lord?
bring the, the, the sheep that are lost, Lord, into the fold. God, I pray that you would um, prepare our hearts and, and uh, use our church, Lord, to reach people who are really searching, Lord, for answers. They're searching for truth, God. Many people are convinced and are okay with hearing lies, but now people are, are really wanting to hear truth, Lord. And they're not getting it from the news. They're not getting it from any other source but you, God. And so would you help us, Lord, to be that kind of people that walk in truth? And uh, uh, I just thank you, Lord, for this evening. Would you bless our worship tonight as well? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.